0: the city life with us is Stephen Kia ora Stephen hi Wallace lovely to talk to you uh, lovely to have you on Stephen is the April uh, Sun and uh, Well, not the is it April yeah, is the April Sun in Queenstown Stephen oh man we've got the liquid Sun in Queenstown today I've got to tell you did you get it straight off?
1: Yeah, absolutely. As soon as I heard the first beat of that song, I went, "Oh, I know this one!" Because I
2: was a kid when that came out, and it was one of those songs that got under my skin as a as a young kid. And uh, I didn't even know what Cuba was or where it was, but I knew I wanted
0: to go there. <laughs> not, not Cuba Street. Not Cuba yeah. Street, nice no, Stephen. No, no. I was, <laughs> I was a Christchurch boy. The street was a long way away from me then. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't isn't it just the mark of a good verse? Say eh, that. Yeah, I'm tired of the city's life. summer's on the run. There could only be one song, Stephen.
1: Absolutely. It's uh, it's one of those. It's got a good hook. Gets under yep. your skin. That's and it. you know, all these years later, I hear that song on the radio. I still like it. I still think it's a great song. Totally. They were a, one of those sort of rugged little bands that. Put out such good, you know, good
0: albums, didn't they? Good songs. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the panel. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Very good. Good track, isn't it, James? I
3: wonder how long, how, how many times we have heard this song in our lives. I don't know how you'd ever capture the stats, but how how many times have you listened to? this song, do
0: you think? Many hundreds.
4: Hundreds? Mm, hundreds? Many hundreds?
0: times. No, Stephen's, got, Stephen's got the point, though. It's the mark of a good hook. Mm. I could only listen to it five times, and I'd appreciate the hook. <laughs> it's just
4: such a it's such a good song, isn't it, Nene? It makes you want to become a drummer. You see? Doesn't it, yeah. Very <laughs> good. Uh, Tired I of just... the City Life, 1997. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Went to the country. Still there.
0: <laughs> oh, you and your porridge panel family. You and your porridge. Hamish says, every day, porridge frozen. Raspberries, yogurt. Me, and ninety-something, asked him, "What's the secret to the age?" Porridge in the morning was get night. Great, that's what I do, <laughs> says Hamish. Um, how did my life change? My life changed the night of the Salvation Army in Island Bay when I received Jesus Christ as my saviour. It's twenty-four to five. The panel are in Z National. The new physical restraint policy in schools requires staff to be trained before they can restrain a child and report the incident to relevant parties, but some teachers are calling the policy problematic. The Ministry of Education said that as of yesterday, every school must have a policy on stress reduction and the use of physical restraint – Physical restraint can only be used if it is necessary to prevent harm which includes emotional distress to the tamariki or another person if no other option is available and if the restraint is reasonable and proportionate in the circumstances and a checklist must be followed. With us is Teta Tokoro Principal's Association Chairman Pat Newman. Kia ora Pat. Kia ora. First thing I must say that never been in this situation, but it must be a really awful situation to be in uh, for both teacher and student. No one wants to be in a restraint scenario.
1: Dead right. Mm. I don't get up in the morning going and saying who can I restrain today, that's for sure. Mm. And I certainly didn't become a teacher to do restraint. But circumstances have changed.
0: So, what is the issue you have? What's the potential problems you have with this new policy enacted as of yesterday?
1: Because the policy has been written by bureaucrats, even though they have um, worked with sector groups and all the rest, it's been more of a political, trying to fit political desires and and, uh, arguments to a practical solution. And it has worked out, in my view, of not actually helping anybody. We've got to differentiate between the fact that there are children in school sometimes who are what we term special ed children who may need some restraint, minor if necessary, but not often. And unfortunately in the past, some of those children, in fact a large number of those children in the past history of New Zealand have been restrained wrongly in my view and in the view of people. However, the kids that I'm talking about are those that who are almost certainly um, involved in past or present trauma and abuse to a high degree and who are traumatised and who are likely to lash out, who are likely to throw things, who are likely to um, try and commit suicide in front of you or sit in the middle of the road, all of those sort of things. And the guidelines to me make the teacher and the school guilty the moment they use restraint and then they have to prove that they're innocent. And I'll give you the example Teachers can um, step in before the training if um, they've got a year to get trained, up till February next year. Yeah. Teacher aides can't. So if you've got a fight on, say, out in the playground, and there's only a teacher aide out there, then what do they do? Hey, hold on, kids, keep on fighting. I'll go and find someone that's trained. That's what the reality says. The second thing is, when you step in, the, 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 the guidelines are 76 pages, all right? 76 pages if you're involved in this and i have been on numerous occasions Mm. over my career you haven't got time to sit there and run through 76 pages in your head and all the guidelines and all the rest of it you step in and you do it and i can see the way this is written where teachers and paraprofessionals or teacher aides will be sitting there and thinking am i justified in stepping in to do this now before Uh, acting
0: right right yeah, interesting, isn't it? Um, in terms of the guidelines, it might be tens of pages, but isn't the checklist only about seven or eight points?
1: The checklist is only about seven or eight points, and and I accept that, but it's the whole of the ramifications of have we got this um, the climate set up? Have we done this? Have we done the next thing that's going to make it difficult? And the other thing is that the requirement around um talking to parents and bringing them in to debrief them um, after three days. Now, normally that wouldn't be a problem, right? And I accept that, and parents Mm -hmm. should be and would be. But there are occasions when I can see that would be actually of threat to teachers physically because a lot of the kids I'm talking about, um, it's actually those same people that cause them to be traumatized and abused that they're like they are. And here we're sitting down debriefing. And I, if you've been involved in a situation like that, it is very threatening.
0: OK, yes, yeah, so, Pat here, start with you, James. So are the, these rules are written by the bureaucrats in Wellington and don't reflect the real-world, fast-paced situation that might occur in the playground in real time.
3: Yes, or, or, Pat, I took you to be saying that uh, circumstances have changed, certainly over the time of your career. So what, what what has been the big change that you see in terms of what you're seeing in the classroom?
1: The huge number and to the, d- the degree of children who are quite young who are, have had severe trauma and abuse, and that is coming out in their behaviour. Behaviour is caused by something, and, it's, and, and the ones I'm talking about are the high-end trauma and abuse kids, and I have never seen, um, when I first started teaching 40-something, nearly 50 years ago, we didn't have those numbers of kids coming through like we do now.
0: Okay. All right. Nalini.
4: Hi, Pat. Um, you know, a very casual conversation with an early childhood teacher a uh, few months ago certainly opened my eyes to what they do in a, on a day-to-day basis when I said, do you mostly, you know, play, play with the kids? As, as, and she said, well, I wish we did, but these are the things we do. Um, that, those of us with our children would never know what is involved in this case was what what was the consultation process was there one between the ministry and
1: the there's been huge consultation and it's not i don't want to lay the blame at the ministry's fault or Mm -hmm. anyone else's in that it's not really their fault the huge consultation has been tied up with the very strong lobby groups from ihc and various groups who understandably had concerns that it might be the Down syndrome, the um, ADHD, all of those children who we tend to call special ed, um, who in the past have had abuse done to them and but I don't know how far they go back when they quote their numbers. And the Greens Party, I spent two hours with the Greens spokesperson last year trying to explain to her the reality of the situation. What we wanted to have in there was a simple clause that said it was based on your intention. If you actually stepped in to um, stop, you know, to use physical restraint, that after it was over, it would be your intentions which justified your, whether you did it or not. If you intended to stop it to save a child, that was fine. Rather than having to run through a big checklist of this, 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 and the next thing.
0: I'm wondering Pat if there's some sort of it's quite it might be quite clear that uh there might be have to there there might have to be a review a year in to see how these new guidelines work if as you say they might be impractical in the real time setting of a playground is there some sort of um, scenario is there some sort of solution where you you can meet halfway? Because bringing the parents into the orbit, for example, and letting them know what's happened—that's just got to be part of it.
1: Mm. Oh, I, look, I've no argument about that. I've no argument about that at all. You, of course, it has to be. Mm. And I have no argument, for instance, about if you have a child that that there is a good possibility you may have to have restraint that you work out with the parents what you do beforehand. There's no argument with those. The argument is around the practical things when things blow up. The argument is around having to prove your innocence um, straight away afterwards. Even the police don't have to do that. The argument is that um, it's not just the playground; it's actually in the classroom and everywhere, and that the guidelines have been written to fit. Not, I don't believe, the high uh, trauma and abuse child that can blow at a second's notice. Head. And my advice to people is, if if this is going to be it, then why would we put our careers and our jobs on the line when we are not resourced? I mean, these guidelines are written so as if we've got resourcing coming out of our earlobes. <laughs> the resourcing for behaviour kids that I'm talking about, if you are lucky, is two hours a day extra teacher aid time. Two hours, and they're in the school for six hours. Pat, you know, we've got everything
0: loaded against us. I'm sure that we haven't heard the last of this uh, very important issue, but for now, uh, appreciate your time on the panel. Kia ora. That is Pat Newman there, uh, Tetai Tokoro Principals Association Chairman, uh, adding to the other list of not teaching, not being a particularly easy profession to get involved in, the, com- the nuanced behaviours, James Elliott, in the playground what will happen? Do we need to start wearing body cameras for teachers?
3: Yeah, I was also wondering whether he talked about things blowing up at a moment's notice. I'm wondering if we ask how much of this behaviour is spontaneous or is there a a premeditated element to some of these behaviours? I'm not sure that makes the answers any easier in terms of how you deal with them, but just in terms of understanding the environment.
0: That was an issue on the new physical restraint policy in schools. Uh, Mm. As of yesterday, every school must have a policy on stress reduction and the use of physical restraint. We might actually come back to that Mm. uh, toward the end of the week. I know that IHC has called for a complete end to the use of physical restraint for schools. Fourteen away from five, the panel, we have James Elliott and Nalini Baruch with us. Uh, Nalini Wellington, James here in Tamaki Now, as you'll know, the Great Walks, booking season, almost instantly there was a rush to book. The site crashed on the opening day of the latest season. 10,000 logged on here and overseas for the Milford Track alone. There were 7,400 slots. And there was an opinion piece in Stuff that's caught my eye who came up with an idea. And I don't know what you think of it. If you're a Kiwi, you get first dibs. With us, Jared Hindmarsh, writer, journalist, based in Golden Bay, but uh, I hear, read here and Nelson this afternoon. Kia Jared. Gerard.
2: G'day. How are you today? No, I'm very pleased to talk about this. It's a subject that's concerned me for a long time.
0: And look, this is going to get people really talking, Jared. You're talking about Kiwi's queue jumping, aren't you?
2: Well, of course I am, and what's wrong with that? I've um, I've travelled a lot in the world, and there's discrimination everywhere you go i don't think it's a bad thing i think it's okay we prioritize our own citizens especially with our wilderness commons and you know the the great walks are the are the sort of crown jewels if you like of our conservation estate effectively we kiwis are finding their access more and more denied through subjecting the booking system to the international internet marketing and uh, since since my opinion piece came out on um, Saturday, I've been contacted by dozens of Kiwis, all giving me their stories and how year after year they've been putting off... Um, Putting putting off the uh, great walk on, particularly on the Milford Track. Now that's a, a real priority for a lot of people.
0: Well, um, Jared, can I jump in and say, wouldn't this be like saying Americans get first dibs when seeing the Statue of Liberty, or Italians go first when seeing the Tower of Pisa? It's just unfair.
2: Well, maybe, but a lot of people can look at the Tower of Pisa at once. But like, I went on the Milford Track a few years ago. There were thirty rotary There were thirty-two people on the trip. Um, me and my wife, and uh, there were the other booking was. 30 Rotarians from New South Wales, they had block, built, booked it three years ago. Now, that's okay to be on with them, and I think it's great to share it. I mean, national parks were developed a, as a sort of international sort of icons, if you like, that we share. But when we come to a booking system that... Doesn't favour Kiwis. Um, We're on the same footing with everyone else in the world. But when it's us versus a billion people, say who all want to come here, all anyone who can afford to come here, we're on the same footing as them. It's just not fair. Stay there, there, Jared. Stay
0: there, Jared. We've got to paddle with us, and we'll come back to you. Kiwi a Kiwi's first policy two one zero one round the panel yes or no James I thought the stats
3: were very highly in favor of New Zealanders anyway that we weren't having a problem with New Zealanders getting access to the track okay but Kiwi's first though no I think you can have a set allocation one for Kiwis and one for overseas it doesn't mean it's a priority Nalini, between the two. Kiwi's
4: first policy yeah I wondered whether we could run a quota system you know so that uh, both sides of this divide are fulfilled um but you know, I can't help but say this you know we've got to have those people from overseas come to visit these sites because they bring money into our country and they don't just spend it on these walks they spend it on a lot of other things as well which keeps our economy going so a fine balance is required
2: well, I don't know. I, ta- I, uh, I went to a swimming pool in Vietnam recently, and uh, I-, I noticed that the person who of me paid 500 dong, a local, and then I went there, and it was 5,000 dong. I said, oh, what's the criteria? They pointed to my eyes. Oh, you've got round eyes and a big nose. And uh, they said, unless you can prove you're a Vietnamese resident, All right,
0: it. Lee, let's just not worry about those stereotypes, stereotypings. Jared. I don't want to get into that on the panel. No, I don't no, 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 no. I'm no. just can... saying yeah.
2: that this is... The reality of the world when we have a few Kiwis trying to book a track with millions of other people competing at the same time Mm -hmm. on the internet. I don't think our wilderness commons is up to it. You've got got a bit of
0: support here, uh, actually, uh, there, Peter. Kiwis first all the way. I can't book. Wallace, Kiwis should be prioritised for walks. We pay the tax for the dog estate. Kiwis first. Kiwis first, we pay for it in tax. So um, you keep banging on about this, Gerard. You might get somewhere.
2: Oh, well, well, whatever. I mean, I'm just sticking up for all the people who contact me saying that we didn't have a chance to get on the Milford track this year.
0: All right, good on you. Gerard Highmarsh there, uh, writer and journalist based in the Golden Bay. We didn't have time for more questions than any. we are going to rock on to this. Uh, And, well, gosh, yes, look at the uh, response here. Big support big support okay. big support there, James.
3: How uh, about that? I still think quotas quotas will quota satisfies both sides of it right.
0: Finally, on the panel, free snacks, coffee, and lunchtime yoga at the office are being put on ice as employees face was described as a perk session. With the global economic downturn, businesses are looking to tighten their belts. And a poll of New Zealand workers found that one in four workers said their employers had cut employee benefits in the last six months. With us is Shannon Barlow from Frog Recruitment. She's the managing director there. Kia ora, Shannon. Kia ora. It was very interesting to see that uh, the 2021 trend of uh, lunchtime yoga has really gone by the wayside.
5: I know. Well, I think it's, um, particularly in that year when we were facing lockdowns, it made sense. It was a lot harder to look after your employees' wellbeing. Um, so a lot of the, the focus and um, what businesses were doing uh, was around that, which was actually a really positive thing. But I think that's really shifted now, and employees want different things.
0: What do you make of this, James Elliott? Well, I, I'm just
3: shocked to see some of the ba- basics, coffee and fruit, these sorts of things being pulled off employees going have a negative effect on your employees, but surely not a great significant cost
5: I know that that's definitely one of the, one of the points that we picked up so you've really got to think of um, you know what impact that is going to make on the the bottom line and if it 's worth it for the um, for what you're going to lose or that that feeling. From your employees or um, potential job seekers, if they're looking at your business as a, uh, a potential new place of work. Yes, Delaney. Oh, hi Shannon. Um, is there any study done to show how many
4: employees actually focus on the on those perks before they decide to accept a job with a, with an organisation? Is it a big big requirement?
5: Well, I think so. Each year, um, we do uh, survey both employees and job seekers, mm-hmm. uh, and to see what matters to them most. Um, and there really has been a, a dramatic shift in that over the the last um, three years, for obvious reasons. Um, I think it's less so now about things like perks and the you know the the coffee, the free fruit. Um, Often that's seen as a, oh, well, that's just what happens in an office, isn't it? That's not really a perk uh, and it can become an expectation. But we're seeing a shift now. So the things that are important um, this year are actually more focused on job stability, um, training and development, and and also trust um, and support from management. So I think there's a, a shift back to the focus on uh, our own careers and, and moving that forward and feeling like there's a place for us in the business
0: Do workers uh, in your view of what you've surveyed do workers and as a recruitment uh, in the recruitment mm-hmm. sector, do workers care about perks?
5: Yeah I think they do, I think it's part of um, the overall decision and particularly mm. in the last couple of years there have been a, a much disposition ever to be able to uh, go after what they uh, what they want, and also to consider different options and um, to yeah kind of make the the employers sell themselves to them in a way. So sometimes those perks come into it. Definitely, um, the main thing though has been around um, flexibility. So that yes. has. Set- Stay Absolutely. stable and, and it's really a given now that um, needs to be there whether that's hours or locations um, but I think they'd look at the, the overall environment and yes those perks do come into those decisions
0: What perks have you had in your working career? Oh, or, or the
3: Fruit, cookies, biscuits <laughs> all manner of things but I was what Shannon was saying about expectations mm-hmm. if it becomes an expectation rather than a perk then you're going to feel quite different about it, in the case of the current environment you can get, a, there are lots of jobs available what is the cost? Shannon, what's the cost, remind us all of the cost to a, a business for an employee leaving and being replaced
5: uh, expressed I, as
3: a percentage of salary generally
5: Yeah so I, I don't have the actual uh, a dollar amount there but if you think about all that goes into it, so um, uh, the time that's taken you away from your, your regular responsibilities, if you don't have a recruitment team um, all the training and development uh, that goes into a new employee if they're to leave or or to get someone else on Um, that's part of the reason that um, uh, attracting and retaining staff has been one of the biggest challenges for Uh, businesses and and, and still remains this year Um, so yeah. yeah you definitely have to be mindful although there is that pressure to um, and the need to uh, cut costs in some places to be able to also look at okay, uh, is this going to create also create a risk and um, have another business swoop in and, and offer your best talent? Uh, some of the things that may be missing or have been taken away from your workplace. Shannon, um,
0: good to have you on the programme. Lovely. That's Shannon Barlow there, Frog Recruitment Managing uh, Director. Now a lot of response regarding restraint policy. Philippa says... In 1977, as a first-year teacher with a year three class, I had a kid who used to lose it periodically. If I didn't restrain him, he would have thrown blocks, scissors, anything in sight. I had to hold him round his arms and send another child for another member of staff. It was sudden, not premeditated, but I had to protect both him and especially the other children. There's no time to think about ticking any boxes. Real world, A lot of real-world examples coming in. And, uh, by the way, gosh, porridge... Porridge, porridge, porridge. Graham says, every day for me, three spoons of rolled oats, honey, and add boiling water. Lowest heat for four minutes until it bubbles, James. Stir and heat. Sit for eight minutes as it thickens. That's fantastic. Every person has a different porridge way in life, don't they, James Elliott? That's great. There needs to be a thorough survey. More work to be done on this. More on the work. panel. I'm away tomorrow. Susie Ferguson's in. Back Wednesday, Nalini Baruch, James Elliott. Kia ora to you both. I'm Wallace Chapman and Checkpoint is next, stay with us on
4: RMZ National.